0: Welcome to the Patiobooks.com presentation of Murder at Avedon Hill. My name is P.G. Holyfield. And now, Episode 42 of Murder at Avedon Hill.
1: Chapter 42, Ruler of the Known World, Revisited The Icon of Arjun, the Child of Protection Knowledge is power, so says the man on the gallows. The Death of Magic by Baldrick Winsett
0: Aramis once again studied the balcony that overlooked Avedon Manor's Grand Hall. Six archers stood along the overhang that ran around three walls of the room, four along the east balcony and two more along the west. Four of the guards had crossbows while the remaining two had shortbows, and all weapons were trained on him and Aaron. Since they had entered the manor's great room, Lord Avedon and his oldest son Richard had controlled the conversation, which suited Aramis just fine. Most of the particulars had been related to Lord Avedon by Richard and Sarah Tremaine. Sarah sat at the great oval table in the hall, recovered somewhat from the concussion that had knocked her out before events had played themselves out in the basement of the temple. Aramis had come out of his paralysis, as soon as Greta had died. Ignoring pain from his arm, Aramis had removed Greta from her chains, carefully wrapping her in a blanket Aaron had found in a nearby room. Aaron had carried Sarah, while Aramis did the same for Greta. They were met outside the temple entrance by Richard, Tanner, and several townspeople Aramis recognized from the library. The men stood above Paris, who had collapsed outside the temple felled by Sarah Tremaine's blade. Aaron had filled Richard in on what had happened in the temple while they walked to Avedon Manor. Aramis had remained silent during this time in an attempt to conserve his waning energy. Lord Avedon projected his voice so all in the hall could hear him.
2: So Joris killed Greta Platt and Gloria because of his belief in some grand conspiracy concerning vampires and moonbeasts. Even as he had recounted events to Richard,
0: Aaron's face had displayed frustration, but just as now, it was tinged with fear. The bravado that had served Aaron well in the caves outside of Avedon Hill and in the rooms below the Temple of Artus had abandoned him completely. Aaron found he could not answer Lord Avedon's question. Aramis stood took two steps towards Lord Avedon and then began playing the game he had to trust would grant them their freedom. Yes, Lord Avedon, he did. And as you know, Lane Nichols was the vampire that had deceived Joris for years, living under Joris's very watch. Lane had the ability to hide what she was from his senses, and it, along with other stresses, drove the former undead hunter insane. Over the last few years, Joris recruited help in his battle against what he referred to as the Rise of the Undead. At some point, he enlisted the aid of Ulrich, Rock, and Paris, who all came to believe in Father Joris and his holy war. Eventually, Joris found someone to blame for his own
2: failures. Greta. Lord Avedon interrupted. There's something I do not understand. Greta was killed days ago, yet the men who carried her here claimed the body was warm to the touch. Joris had an artifact, something he must have found years ago. It was not only the weapon that killed
0: Greta and Gloria Platt, but it was also the method by which Joris returned Greta to life. After all, Joris believed Greta knew the identity of the vampire in Avedon Hill. He brought her back and tortured her for that information. And what did he
2: discover?
0: Aramis gave Lord Avedon the answer he wanted to hear. Greta Platt either did not know about Lane Nichols or was stronger than Father Joris realized. From what Joris told us before he died, Greta carried any secrets she may have had to her death. Several deaths, most likely. Tears filled Lord Avedon's eyes. He waved Aramis forward. Aramis approached the dais, and Lord Avedon lowered his voice to a whisper. So,
2: brother of Aaron, what
0: do we do now? No one need learn of Edvard, and Greta's murder has been brought to justice. We also know, unless your son attacks someone other than Greta or Gloria Platt, that Edvard most likely has not tasted the blood of man. You have the King's Crown Potion. Lord Avedon shook his head.
2: Karen and Marissa sit at Edward's bedside, waiting for Richard and me to join them.
0: And you know what must be done
2: if the potion does not work. Lord Avedon closed his eyes for a moment. Marissa created a second potion. If Edward is not cured, we will give it to him.
0: He opened his eyes again, and
2: tears rolled down his face. It will. I was going to say. It would kill him, but he is already dead, is he not? I hope it does not come to that, Lord Avdon. I do have a question
0: for you, though. Yes? Why did you not tell me that Lewis was your brother-in-law? It wasn't important. But if I had known it, Lewis might still be alive now. Both men seem to be ignoring each other's statements.
2: Since my wife's death, "'Lewis never wanted to be treated as family, by me in any case.'"
0: Lord Avenon looked past Aramis at Sarah Tremaine, continuing only when he was confident she
2: could not overhear. "'He suspected something from the very beginning, because I prevented him from questioning the children. I used every method at my disposal to keep Lewis away from Edward. But with or without your help, Lewis pieced together enough of the story and he stormed into Edward's room.'" I took Lewis downstairs and I was about to explain everything when Cletus informed us that Lane had returned. Lewis ran off to confront her about Edward.
0: Lord Avedon wiped
2: at his face. He cleared his throat and raised his voice. I thank you for your efforts, Aramis Cragen. You have given Greta back to us so that she can be returned to her family's mausoleum and join her mother. Aramis allowed himself a small smirk. Wait
0: for it. But.
2: But, I cannot allow you and your companion to leave Avedon Hill.
0: Aramis noticed that all the guards' weapons were trained upon him. If they loosed their arrows and fired their bolts simultaneously, he knew he would not be able to block them all in his current state. Sarah Tremaine protested.
3: Lord Avedon, this man just saved us. Enough!
0: Lord Avedon's voice had regained some of the authority it had
2: possessed in Edward's room the night before. Miss Tremaine, I appreciate your closeness to this matter. I did not realize how important my brother-in-law Louis was to you, but this is not your concern.
0: Sarah stood, and Lord Avedon raised a finger. Not one note, Sarah. Sarah closed her mouth and sat back down in her chair.
2: The murders of Talek Bor and Gloria Platt the fire and the subsequent explosions at the library that caused the death of Raylan Geth and James Brandis, while not directly attributable to the two of you, it appeared that Lord Avedon was searching for the correct words. Nevertheless, we must determine whether or not those deaths were a byproduct of your actions or inaction. He seemed to like the sound of that, and smiled. You will be moved to the town garrison until we can resolve this matter. Aramis kept his voice low. Lord Avedon, I hope you will reconsider. After I
0: finally discovered the true secret of Avedon Hill, I took the liberty of writing a letter to... Richard Avedon, standing next to his father, reached behind him and pulled a scroll tube from the folds of his father's chair.
4: Are you referring to this letter?
0: Another guard entered the hall from the entrance to the left of the dais, pulling Cousin Red along with him. Red's hands were bound behind him, but he appeared uninjured. Aramis closed his own eyes for a moment, but quickly reopened them in time to see a smug smile upon Lord Avedon's face. Sarah Tremaine began to protest once more, but Lord Avedon stomped his left foot on the dais, silencing the room. Nothing more from you, Miss Tremaine, or you will be removed from the manor. Aramis sighed, mad at himself for this latest turn of events. After Aramis had discovered the true power of the Glow Rocks, he had gone to Cousin Red. Red was to immediately leave town and deliver a missive to Brian Dahl, leader of the Iranic Brotherhood at Thorns Way.
4: Once we learned of Talik Bohr's murder, we knew he must have been negotiating with someone in an attempt to Richard paused, measuring his words. Circumvent how we conduct business in Avon Hill. We sent two men to secure the caves and to prevent further bypassing of our town gate. Aramis's vision
0: lost focus as he began channeling what little energy he had left within him. Lord Avedon must have suspected something, however. He banged his foot against the
2: stage once more. Don't even think about using your powers here, Aramis Kragan All I have to do is raise my hand and your cousin in your valet will be dead before you reach my mind. Can you truth-read that?
0: Aramis relaxed and nodded once more. Richard continued.
4: Red was captured in the caves outside Avedon Hill. I must say, we were surprised by the contents of your missive. Lord Avedon finished the thought.
2: This letter has sealed
1: your fate, Sir Aramis. That letter has sealed your
0: fate, Sir Aramis. Lord Avenon, you should refrain from such a tone. Threats do not become you. Aramis turned to see Cletus stroll past Sarah Tremaine and Aaron as he approached the dais, stopping when he reached Aramis Cragen's side. Aramis had always suspected that Cletus was more than he seemed, but the transformation of the gatekeeper seemed to surprise everyone in the room. Cletus stood straight, which made him a full six inches taller than Aramis. He wore a clean black tunic, Over that, he wore a black overcoat with a thin, white border. Cletus had cleaned himself up as well. He had obviously bathed and washed his hair. While there was nothing Cletus could do about his girth, his attire had a slimming effect on the gatekeeper much more than one might expect. With a flick of the thumb, Cletus flipped a coin into the air at the two men standing on the dais. Richard Avedon caught the coin and looked at it. His eyes widened.
4: Father! The mark of the council.
0: Cletus looked down at Aramis and smiled. Aramis looked over to Sarah Tremaine and realized not everyone had been surprised. Sarah had obviously tailored Cletus's current attire. You are an agent of the council? Cletus spoke without addressing Lord Avedon's question. You will release these two men immediately and provide them access to the Ovian Pass. He tugged at his newly cropped beard, free of food and tobacco remains for the first time since Aramis and Aaron's arrival. Lord Avedon was nearly apoplectic.
2: Why does the council care about this monk? They have never interfered in my family's affairs. Cletus
0: interrupted, not caring who heard his words. Six years ago, a member of the council was killed when his sloop was sunk in the bay west of Morning Isle. There were no witnesses, but the few pieces of wood that were recovered made it clear that some sort of explosion sank his ship. While there was nothing directly linking his death to the Avedon family, I was sent here to keep an eye on Avedon Hill. Then you
2: obviously know I have only sold to buyers approved by the Council.
0: Aramis raised his eyebrow at Lord Avedon's words. True, but recent events have altered the Council's perception of your family and its control over Avedon Hill. Greta's murder, you and your family's erratic behavior, the presence of a vampire, and the fact that Bor was willing to sell the secret of Glorox to a possible agent of the torim the council has decided that changes must be made. And as for the monk and his student, the smile that had never left Cletus's face now beamed down upon Aramis. Let us just say that the council wants to ensure that no more harm befalls such important guests as a Grosch. Cletus's eyes flittered only for a moment towards Aaron. Lord Avedon had been rendered speechless. It was Richard that finally reacted. He moved over to his father and whispered in his ear for a short time. Lord Avedon started to protest, but Richard stared him down. Finally, Lord Avedon nodded and slowly walked away. He descended the stairs of the dais and left the great hall through the door that had recently been used by the guard and Cousin Red. Richard Avedon sat down at the edge of the dais, his legs hung down, his feet dangling just above the ground.
4: Tell me, release Cousin Red if you
0: would. Richard directed his comments to Aramis.
4: I apologize on behalf of my father. Our family secrets have brought us nothing but grief these past two weeks. Like Cletus has said, things have to change.
0: Aramis raised a hand and pointed at Richard. If I can hazard a guess as to the changes that will be made, opening the doors to Avedon Hill will only improve things for you and for the town as a whole. I fully expect Avedon Hill will become a thriving town even before you become the next Lord Avedon. That is, of course, if the Council of Grosh allows your family to continue as caretakers of Avedon Hill. Aramis began walking away from the dais, approaching the large table. If you play your cards right, Richard, you could become more powerful than any Lord Avedon in your town's history. Cletus added, The Council has no intentions of removing your family from power, Richard. Richard nodded, and Cletus turned to Aramis, who now sat in the chair next to Sarah Tremaine. Sir Aramis, the Council does have one request of you. Aramis raised an eyebrow as Cletus continued. I need you to write a new letter to your brotherhood, requesting an advisor be sent to Avedon Hill. I believe when the next house mistress begins performing her duties, she will have to learn a new way of doing things. Richard slid off the dais and bowed to everyone in the
4: room. Cletus, my family underestimated you, which I'm sure was your plan from the start.
0: He turned to Aramis.
4: You and your companion are free to go. Cletus can provide you access to the pass. Thank you, Richard.
0: Unless, Cletus, you plan on leaving Avedon Hill as well. (laughs) No, I will be staying, Sir Aramis. I like it here. Cletus's tone never wavered. Richard, you should join your father. Make sure Edvard is feeling better. I'll take care of our guests. Aramis was again surprised by Cletus's understanding of events, but he ignored that, the growling in his stomach overwhelming everything else. He raised a hand. If I might make one request, Richard, is Chef Roland available? Richard cocked his head to the side for a moment, but then nodded. Straight away. The monk placed his uninjured hand on Sarah's right arm. Care to join us for dinner, Miss Tremaine?
3: It would be my pleasure, Sir Aramis.
0: The next three psychs were a flurry of activity. Aramis was tended to by Father Liveston, and while his right arm would forever be scarred, Aramis knew he would regain its full use in just a few days. After eating her meal, Sarah Tremaine rushed to her shop and returned in less than a psych with a package for Aramis. After repairing his robes only two days before, Sarah had decided to tailor him a new set of robes. Aramis thanked her and kissed her hand for a long moment. Aramis spent a bit of time with Red before leaving Avedon Manor. Aramis told Red that while he might not have found his riches, his future did look bright, considering what Avedon Hill might become over the next few years. As Red left, he joked that his close relationship with the former innkeeper's ale would allow him to carry on that particular Boer family tradition. Before leaving the manor, Aramis spotted Julianne Avedon sitting at the bottom step of the manor's main staircase. She had obviously been crying. As Aramis approached her, Julianne failed in an attempt at a smile. Louis deserves your tears, young Julianne. He was a good man and died protecting you and your family. But remember something. Your smile gave Louis more pleasure than anything in this world and Louis, even though not physically with you now, will feel your smile for as long as you live. Good luck to you, Miss Julianne. As they walk the short distance from the manor entrance to the gate... John Avedon met them with two of his horses, Grotian purebloods that would have been welcome additions to the Perti royal stable. Aaron, silent since Cletus had arrived at Avidon Manor, thanked John profusely for his generosity. John bid them good luck and left for the stables. Cletus used a large key to unlock the gate to the Alviaran Pass. There you go, gentlemen. Aramis recalled an assertion Cletus had made at their initial meeting. It appears you fulfilled your own claim. Hm? Huh? You told us something when we arrived at Avidon Hill. You said you were the ruler of the known world. It appears that you not only granted us entry, but now our exit from Avidon Hill. Cletus smiled. Lucky for you, I have a taste for Aryan pipe tobacco. You recognized Aaron that morning. Cletus nodded. Aaron stood off to the side, listening, but focusing his attentions on their new transportation. Even though I knew you by reputation, I would not have made the connection, but Aaron did not act much like the valet, even though he dressed the part. I'm sure this will not be an issue for you in the future. Issue? It appears your powers of observation saved us. The Council wanted to make sure there was no chance of a political incident, especially after the discoveries you made over these last few days. So, are you a member of the Council, Cletus? I knew a secret member of the Council once. Not many can say that. Cletus laughed. <laughs> Me? The Avedon Hill gatekeeper and acknowledged spy of the Council of Grosh. Repeated something else, he told Aramis when they had first met. What I am is what I am, Sir Aramis. Nothing more. Aramis reached out with his unharmed left hand and shook Cletus's right. Once again, thank you. Be sure to keep an eye on Jilly Hemming. She is already under the care of Father Liveston. He believes he can help her control her newfound ability. Hopefully, he will succeed. I don't want to have to deal with the Priest of Cairn if they discover a wilder lives here. Aaron had already loaded the horses and led his down the slope beyond the gate. Aramis turned from Cletus and walked to his horse. You have your hands full. Will you continue to be the gatekeeper now that you have revealed yourself? I've already spoken to Lila. She wants me to take over as innkeeper until she is savvy enough to run the place herself. And don't worry about Red. I want him to continue at the inn as a cook. It will be a good place for me to keep an eye on visitors. It will give you the opportunity to bathe more often. Cletus pulled at his beard. (laughs) Yes, there is that. I wish you well, Aram's Kragan. Prince Aaron. Aaron Perty bowed his head slightly and then continued leading his horse further into the tunnel. Aramis turned from Cletus and introduced himself to his new horse, locking eyes and stroking its nose. I have an apple for you somewhere. We should walk a bit before we eat, though. Your friend seems to be leaving us. Aramis climbed upon his horse and waved once more in Cletus's direction. A few moments later, As Aramis caught up to Aaron, he heard the gate to the Alvearan Pass close behind them. Why do I have these dreams if they are not going to allow me to change the future? Aramis had let Aaron stew for nearly a psych in silence. He answered with a question of his own. What do you mean? The destruction of the library, Talek's death, even the possibility that Lord Avedon would order his archers to fire on us. I dreamed all of that, yet there was nothing I could do to stop it. I believe the only reason we survived our meeting with Lord Avedon today was that I didn't say a word once I saw the archers on the balcony. Aramis shook his head. Your dreaming touches the past, present, and future. just a few nights, you have learned enough to control elements within your dreams. While this is only a first step to becoming a powerful walker, it adds another level of complexity to what you do. There are an infinite number of possible futures, more than there are stars in the heavens. If you see time as a straight line from past to future, affecting events during your dream walk can move you further from that line. In layman's terms, the dream walk may be taking you north, but if you consciously force events to head east, you must understand that what you see while walking the bridge may or may not take place in our future, and they most certainly will not happen the same way they did in your dream. But why? Why me? Why is this a Pair-T legacy? Aramis measured his words. Magic, no matter how it is wielded, flows from ash. The abilities you are just beginning to discover are connected to Aj as well. While the clerics of Cairn's many priesthoods develop their powers through their spiritual connection to the river of magic, and while the powers that I and many other ironic advisors possess are directly attributable to our connection and service to the land, other examples of magic are directly linked to the children. Aaron pursed his lips. Meaning? Meaning, that when avatars of the children live their lives on Cairn and have families, it has become clear that some of the unique abilities of each child, while living on Cairn as a mortal, can sometimes be passed on to their own children. Some of these abilities become diluted over time, while others become more powerful with each new generation. So you were telling me that there was a child of Aj in my family tree? Aramis nodded. Uh, two, actually, that we know of. Aaron twisted the leather reins in his hands and clenched the muscles in his arms and legs. Aaron's mount, so brown it would be considered black by most, a horse Aaron had already named Shadow, shook its head and reared once, slightly unnerved by his new master's agitation. Aaron regained control over his horse and responded, I hate this! I killed Greta during my first dream walk. I set her ablaze and watched her burn to death, even armed with this knowledge. I could not change the future. No, Aaron. Joris murdered Greta Platt before we ever arrived at Avedon Hill. Your act was one of kindness. You released her, ending the abomination of Father Joris and his unholy weapon of power. Aaron's face twisted in a mix of anger and fear. That's the problem, Aramis. I understand exactly what you are saying. I did what I had to do, what what I was meant to do. I don't know if it is because I experienced Greta's death during my dream walk, or because I have taken so many lives over the last few days that I suddenly have a different view of the world. But my reaction at the temple wasn't over killing Greta Platt. I know I had to finish what Joris started. The horror I experienced it's because i don't feel any remorse at all aaron kicked his heels gently into the sides of shadow and rode on ahead leaving aramis behind him
1: Chapter 43 Endings The Icon of Iberian, the Child of Prophecy Iberian will stand with Kaelin and Doppin at the last day. He has known the end since the beginning of time. The Last Prophecy of Iberian
0: Aramis Cragen started to call out to Aaron, to tell him it was shock that he had felt, not a lack of remorse. But he let Aaron go. He thought about Doppin's words. So begins the true education of Aaron Pett. Aramis pushed the child of Oz from his mind. He was immediately replaced by thoughts of Aaron's mother, Serena.
3: You must promise me something, Aramis.
0: As was always the case with Serena Perti, first daughter of you, Aramis listened intently and wondered what events from her dreamwalks had brought her to what she was doing and saying at this particular moment. If it is within my power, you know you will always have my promise. Serena smiled, and a small sigh escaped her, but it was over in an instant. She had no time for pleasantry.
3: You are heading into danger. I have seen this. But I need you to promise me you won't do anything to remove Aaron from the perils you will face. You cannot send him away if you suspect danger. You cannot hold him back in any way, even if you feel it's the only way to protect him.
0: Aramis scowled. He had reluctantly agreed to come to Castle Pen on his way to Kithcarn at Serena Pertes' behest. She had begged him to take Aaron with him to be his mentor and guide, even though he had long since retired from his position as ironic advisor to the Perti family. But this? Serena, you are asking me to disregard my primary function as a member of the ironic Brotherhood, to protect Cairn and its peoples. Serena Perti had a wild look in her eyes.
3: You have not seen what I have seen. Events are transpiring that neither you nor I can affect. Aaron, however, will play a part in these events. He must be prepared.
0: Serena, your family's ability to walk the bridge between this world and the two others has always had its limitations.
3: First of all, it is three worlds, not two.
0: Aramis had referred to the Triangle of Cairn, Outworld, and the Immortal Plane that Aj and his children called home. Yes, three. I know you believe your dream world touches Callan's Abyss as well.
3: It does, and more so now than ever. We have faced the Turim, Aramis, but there are forces at work now that have the ability to swallow Cairn whole, and no magic we, or any priest, possesses will save us. But there are three living today that will save Cairn.
0: Iberian's Last Prophecy. Serena, you are incorporating your knowledge of Iberian's prophecies into your dream world. It is influencing you, shaping your- Serena slapped Aramis Cragen hard across his face. He recoiled, never more surprised in his entire life. Aramis had known Serena Perti since she was six years old, and in all that time, she had never raised a hand against him. She did not ask for forgiveness.
3: Aramis, I have never been more sure of anything, ever. Aaron has to be equipped for his part in this. You are the one to do this. If he dies, then he is not one of the three, and I will have lost my youngest son. Please, please do this for me, for all of us.
0: Aramis's face still burned. He reached out, gently probing the edges of Serena Pertis' mind. Serena's eyes widened for just a moment, but then she closed them, symbolically, inviting him in. The walls of Serena Pertis' mind retreated. Aramis was proud to see how much control Serena had over her own mind, allowing Aramis access to only what Serena wanted him to see. In fact, Serena used her own abilities to push the images and emotions into Aramis faster than he could even interpret them. In moments, Aramis recoiled for a second time, severing the connection between their two minds. He had seen more than enough. Aramis Cragen looked into Serena Pertis' tear-filled eyes. You may lose your son.
3: If I am right, I've already lost him.
0: Aramis bowed his head. I will do what you ask, dear one. Aramis Cragen scratched the end of his nose and sighed. He reached into one of his saddlebags and was happy to find it filled to the fold with fruit. A parting gift from John Avedon. Aramis pulled out two apples. One day you will discover what we have done. What we are doing. And you will never forgive us. The dangers of Avedon Hill were behind them, but each day would take them closer to Kith Karn, deeper into Grosh, closer to those that would kill Aaron if they even suspected he was a pertee. Aramis clicked his tongue against his teeth, and his horse quickened its pace. He rode forward until he was next to Aaron. He offered an apple to the prince. What about Edward? Either Edward Avedon has been restored, or has been destroyed. It was our time to leave Avedon Hill. Lord Avedon will do what has to be done. Aaron's brow furrowed. Besides, Cletus understands the situation and will ensure that Lord Avedon carries out his promise. Shadow stumbled on a rock in the road, but recovered. Aaron patted the neck of his horse, then reached forward until he reached Shadow's mouth. Aaron gave Shadow his apple. Rough road. Aramis pulled his hood over his head, suppressing a shiver. Yes, my prince. A rough road, indeed. You've been listening to Murder at Avedon Hill, written and produced by P.G. Holyfield. Please visit pgholyfield.com for more information on this podcast and the author. Most of the music in this podcast generously provided by Shira Common through magnatune.com, Kevin McLeod through incompetech.com, and David Beard through davidbeardmusic.com. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave a review at iTunes and on PodioBooks.com. And become part of the show by leaving a message on the Karen line at 704-315-5884. This podcast is copyright 2007-2008, P.G. Holyfield, and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.5 U.S. License.